This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now, from BetQL, it's time for the Daily Tip with Michael Jenkins. Dang it, he's talented. And let's be honest, I go for ambition, not luck. And Chelsea Messenger. Don't kill the messenger, or the messenger will kill you. Hey, Dad, don't forget about me, the dunkster. Presented by BetMGM. And good morning, everyone. It is a daily tip from BetQL, presented by BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Coming up on this Thursday edition, we start things off nice and light. A little look back at last night's best action from the NBA and college basketball. But then you better strap in, baby. It is more from Super Bowl 58 as we dip into the prop market at 640 as well. In the 7 o'clock hour, a look at today's schedule in the NBA and maybe a new reason why you might want to check out All-Star Weekend. At 7.20, more props from the big game for Usher's Halftime Show. At 7.40, we will give our show parlay one more try before Super Bowl 58. And then during the 8 o'clock hour today is the NBA trade deadline. We're going to chat with Sam Quinn, who covers the association for CBS Sports. And that is followed by, of course, more Super Bowl 58 talk and our best bets at 840. All right, I'm trying to get going. I'm going to lean on you, Chelsea. I'm going to kick back, have my coffee, ease into the morning, and by the look on your face, that sounds like a no-go. How are you on this Thursday morning? Oh, Jinx, I can't seem to shake the sickness. Whatever I have, it's just yeah. it's not going away. So I'm just not feeling 100%. It feels like I'm at the end of the Oregon Trail. And I've been bitten by a snake. I have cholera. And damn it, you can see where we're supposed to be settling just like a mile ahead. You know, the end of the NFL season is coming to a close just this weekend. But, man, I'm struggling. It just feels like I'm barely hobbling along. They're like, come on, little Sally. We got to go get our new house. (laughs) We've made it all this way, all the way from, where is it, Independence, Missouri? Isn't that the start of the Oregon Trail? (laughs) Like, that's how I feel this morning. So when you're like, oh, Chelsea can carry me, I'm like, cool. I have gunk coming out of my eyes, and my throat has a constant tickle. Sounds wonderful. Your daughter has dysentery, ma'am. She's not going to make this trip. That's what I would say. Maybe I do. You're at the end of the road. Maybe you do. Maybe this is it. As much as we've talked about the Oregon Trail on this show, well, that would be ironic. I, I will say you have been powering through. I don't know how you're doing it because you have legitimately been sick for easily more than a week. Easily. Well, the worst part, Jenks, is you know how our social team loves to post super close-up videos of our faces <laughs> on social yes. media? The thing is my <laughs> eyes are still actively like oozing this gunk, so it messes with oh. my makeup. So every time they're like, you've been tagged in a reel, I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. So apologies for me not like collabing on some of those videos, but it's just, it's not been my best beauty week either. 
Well, I cannot tell. I think you look great. I have not seen or noticed the difference. But now that you say it, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get screen captures and I'm going to zoom in on your eyes and then I'll probably get those photos, you know, sent off to a professional and then I can get focused right in on the gunk. That's just to say I well, can't see anything. The social team's already doing the zooming for you. Oh, like, well, there you super go. super zoomed I, in. Like you've noticed this, I'm sure. And it's like, unless uh, my makeup is super perfect, I'm like, oh, God. Like, looks like I need to go get some more Botox. Oh, I, I tell the social media team, zoom out and give me a filter. Right? Like, show me like I'm on a, I'm on, I'm on a cliff or something. Get way away. Nobody needs to see this mug up close and personal. Chelsea, my God, you poor thing. Your beds have been, I, I don't know what to say because I've never seen anyone lose a bet or a handful of bets by the hook so many times and my computer screen just went dark what a week can okay. you still hear me awesome. is my screen yes, frozen okay so i'm no, just gonna keep talking because it's been okay. that week uh yeah i have lost four straight college basketball bets by a combined four points last another one by the hook last night oh what a week jenks when it rains it pours of cholera my bets are losing our pets heads are falling off <laughs> oh man i fell for you god and you were on a heater so if you take a step back and you look at the entire scope of our bets i think you're definitely still ahead but man that's how betting goes sometimes you can have the right handicap and all it takes is a player to four games by four points is like that's ridiculous to me that's about as close as it gets I was on the ice last night, had some luck with the old stick and puck, but it was not easy. Had the wild three-way money line against the Blackhawks and the wild win two to one. Finally, finally, I fade one of these bad teams like Chicago or San Jose and get a dub because for some reason, whenever I would bet against these guys, they would find a way to beat me. So nice win by Minnesota there. Also had Stars Maple Leafs money line at minus 142. The Leafs win 5-4 in Toronto because Dallas on the back end of the back-to-back. And the Donkster, my God. The Donkster, ever since the Don, and he'll be back. Don't get me wrong. We will be back in the studio before long. We're just working out some technical issues. Since the Donkster has been away from the show, I believe he's lost one game. If that, I need to get his total record again. He's 12 and one. He's 12, one and one. Unbelievable. The Donkster stars Leafs over six and a hook. I just said the Leafs won that game five, four. That was a dub. And then the Wichita State Shockers laying nine hosting UTSA. Wichita State wins 84, 64. So for the week, Chelsea is 0 and three. I am four and one. And the Donkster just absolutely blistering. 4-0-1, and again, 12-1-1 in his last 14. It is the Daily Tip for BetQL, presented by BetMGM. I'm Michael Jenkins. She is Chelsea Messenger. Chelsea, let's go to the NBA last night, where the Pelicans beat the Clippers 117-106. Hell's getting 5.5 points there, plus 175 on the money line. Total set at 234 and a hook. C.J. McCollum, 25 points, including 13 in the fourth quarter alone. Zion, 21 points, 10 boards. Brandon Ingram with 15 points. And the Pelicans win their fourth straight game. That matches their longest winning streak of the season. But the Clippers, they just had to be dead tired. They have played eight games in 13 days. At some point, they were going to drop one. They've been so good. 
Yeah, I can relate. It feels like it must be the end of the Oregon Trail for the LA Clippers as well, because they've been on such a long road trip. And I thought during yeah. this road trip that that might be a good betting angle is looking at a team that has to play all these, you know, random road games just because the Grammys in t- is in town. But, you know, they've mm-hmm. been really good. So now maybe we'll start to see them cool off because if you zoom out and look at the bigger picture over last month, they've been the hottest team in the NBA. So maybe this is just a one game thing, a one game blip on the radar, and they will continue to, you know, move upwards. But still, at some point, maybe we will see some regression. The Pelicans are not a bad team. This is not a bad loss. Pelicans certainly have plenty of scores. So we'll see when it comes to the Clippers, because right now, it feels like nothing can stop them, even though you know they lost one game. Yeah, seriously. This was only their sixth loss in the past 32 games. Paul George, only seven points. But again, they've been on this long road trip, then they just get back. So I like the Clippers yesterday based on how they've been playing, but I didn't take that super long road trip into account. And again, those guys had to be on tired legs. How about the Pistons stunning the Kings yesterday in Sacktown, 133-120. The Pistons getting 14 points. They come home at plus 700 on the money line total set at 238. And it is the over that hits it at MGM. Jaden Ivey scores 19 of his career high, 37 points in the fourth quarter. Alec Burks, 25 points. And how about this? Detroit plays without Cade Cunningham, without Boyan Bogdanovich, and they get only their third road win of the season while improving to a stellar 7-43. and I cannot believe they did this without two of their starters in the lineup. This is almost like the exact opposite side of the coin as the Clippers. Like, eventually yeah. a good team that's super hot is going to cool off, and eventually a really bad team that loses a bunch of games in a row is going to win a couple. So maybe it's just one of those probability things because if you look at this game before, like maybe if he had they had Cade Cunningham playing, you would say, okay, maybe they have a chance. Yeah. But, you know, on the flip side, this is a pretty bad loss for the Kings, especially at home, especially to the Pistons. They had, it looks like all of their guys for the most part, mm-hmm. you know. So to give up 133 points to the Pistons, not great, Bob. Not great, Bob, at all. I mean, this this is just one of those games where, There's no real explanation for it. You can't say, oh, well, you know, the Kings must have been tired of playing without someone. No, they just got beat. The Pistons shoot 56% from the field in this game. And Chelsea, you will appreciate this. They were an absolutely perfect 22 of 22 from the charity stripe. So maybe that's what Detroit has to do, right? Shoot 56% from the field and not miss a free throw And then, not perfect basketball, but high-level basketball, which they normally don't play, that's what it took for them to get the win. Well, I mean, occasionally it's going to happen. You know, occasionally a blind squirrel is going to find a nut. Uh, Maybe that's a little too mean. This is still an NBA franchise. Uh, But it's not like I'm going to say, okay, from here on out, we're going to be on the Pistons, baby. No, it's one game Uh, out of, what, an 85-game season? Yeah, just one game. Yeah, just kind of came out of nowhere. But you're right, it does happen. Even even for the Pistons, you called them an NBA franchise. Just barely, barely. They're still doing it. How about we go to the top 25 in college basketball? A couple of upsets last night on the docket, and we begin in Ann Arbor, where Michigan tops number 11, Wisconsin, 72-68. The Wolverines getting eight points, plus 310 on the money line. Over-under was 143 at BetMGM. It is the under that hits. Doug McDaniel, 16 points for Michigan, while Terrace Reed scores 12. And you talk about a team that needed a win. Michigan had lost five straight, 
and 10 of their last 11. So if you were listening to the players after the game, they were relieved to a person, as you might imagine. This had been an awful skid for the Wolverines. Yeah, so what do you look at on the flip side? Like, is this a bad loss for Wisconsin? When you have a team that is going on the road in conference play, do you think this is a game that you hold against Wisconsin? Like, I know when it comes to the standings and the rankings for March Madness, this is not going to be like a great loss, uh, you know, on their record. But still, do you take too much away from this? Or do you say, okay, it's hard to go on the road, especially in conference games? I think the Big Ten is kind of a grind just because of the style of basketball that is played. And obviously, I don't think it's yeah. as talented top to bottom as the Big 12, but it's still a very good conference. So I just think naturally, just by virtue of the gauntlet that you go through when you play Big 10 basketball, that you're going to have a, a small slide. And the Badgers have now lost three straight, so they do need to right the ship. But this isn't their best loss. I think ultimately they'll be fine because of how they played this season, the ones that they do have. But this is not... This is not one of the the better losses on their schedule because this is not a good Michigan team. Well, especially since Wisconsin was playing really good basketball. Like from yeah. what I've heard, they were actually, you know, in conversations to maybe be one of those top seeds going into the NCAA tournament. This stretch is probably canceled out that conversation. Of course, we'll have conference tournaments. And that's when, you know, people can really make their moves when it comes to these seeds and also guarantee a ticket to March Madness, but we'll see. This is the time of year where you want to be trending in the right direction. I believe conference tournaments are at the end of the month, no? Yes, you're right. I mean, it's going to be here, so I can't believe it's already, we're already into essentially the second week of February or close to it. So yeah, conference tournaments are coming and then the big dance will be here before you know it. The first tournament, Matt, just put this in the chat, is March 7th. So we're just about a month away, three, four weeks away. We'll be talking about conference tournament time. How about Providence outlasting number 19 Creighton last night? 91-87 game did go to overtime. Providence was getting two and a half points. The Friars come home at plus 120 on the money line. Total set at 142 and a hook. And the over hits at that MGM King of Sportsbooks. Josh Oduro drops 32 points, grabs 12 rebounds. Devin Carter racks up 28 points, 11 boards. So coming off their worst defeat of the season, and that is when Providence lost to Villanova last time out by 18 here they flip the script. They get their second win over a top 25 team this year, and they do it against a very good Creighton squad. Yeah, same goes for Creighton, a team that has now lost two straight games. They're not in the conversation for a top C. That's not what I'm saying. It's just one of those stretches. Yeah. And I was looking to see if there was something that was in the metrics that could have told us this one. And here's an angle that I kind of look at for if you're playing a road favorite, you need a team that can take care of the basketball. Creighton is uh, not in this. Wait. Oh, I looked at that wrong. Well, uh, brain is in a fog today. They're not a team that's creating turnover. So maybe my angle goes to die, but I was trying to follow that one. Didn't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. Sorry about that. Uh, but still, did you notice the trend with both the upsets? Both these teams were at home. And I have yeah. this like fear of playing road favorites. And I feel like it's for this reason. How many of these big upsets have been teams going on the road? Honestly, I've I don't have a a tracking on this or I haven't been following it, but I will just say off the top of my head, if we had been following this pattern blindly, I think we'd be way ahead. Anytime we've looked at a matchup like this, way more often than not, it's that it's that home dog against a ranked team or sometimes 
a home team that maybe is favored over a ranked team that ends up winning a lot of the time. Right. And I'm not even saying that, okay, you should have been on, you know, the opposite side here. I'm just saying oh, maybe right. don't play Creighton in this situation. No, exactly. It's 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 situational, especially in college basketball. And what's crazy is too, the Blue Jays shot almost 50% from three-point range, still did not matter against the Friars. Coming up next year on the show, the number hasn't changed, but what about our opinions? We will keep previewing Super Bowl 58. It is the Daily Tip for BetQL, presented by BetMGM. It is a Thursday. Come on back. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip, presented by BetMGM. On the BetQL Network. Welcome back to the Daily Tip, presented by BetMGM. With Michael Jenkins and Chelsea Messenger on the BetQL Network. Welcome back, man. Keep it going, Double D. Yeah, man. I mean, it's a big game, but there's so much going on in the world, man. It's hard for me to focus. <laughs> I'm just going to entertain myself. Welcome back to the show. She's Chelsea. I'm Jinx. The reason why I'm talking like a stoner, and we will get into Super Bowl 58, but the great Calvin Johnson yesterday was on RG3's podcast, which is called RG3 and the Ones. And he was talking about how he was in such pain later on in his career in 2015 that before the game, he would toke up. And it was the only way to make it through. So take a listen to this. Did you ever play any games high? Yes, I have. There were some games there in my career, man. I was just like, I don't know how I'm going to make it today. <laughs> so I, just, <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to make it today. Let me get my mind right. So you obviously had the game. Uh, this was against the Dallas Cowboys in 2013, where you had 329 receiving yards. Were you, uh, you know, d diving into the, the cannabis, or, or was it later, more so 2014, 2015? Nah, it was, it was like my last year when I was just like, I was barely hanging on. If you had 329 receiving yards, Getting fried before the game. I mean, everybody going to be getting fried before the game now because the kick out Johnson did it. <laughs> well, I will say this. Now, one thing that I, I do understand or I, I think I understand is Calvin Johnson is essentially saying, this isn't just about me trying to feel good before a game. This is trying to alleviate a lot of the pain that comes with playing in the National Football League. And you've heard players talk about this before, Chelsea, where they say, listen, playing in the NFL, it is obviously a violent sport, and you're never 100% healthy. You're always kind of banged up. There's a difference between being hurt and injured, and everyone plays hurt. So for Megatron, he was saying, the only way I'm going to make it through getting hit again and again, especially late in my career, when my body has taken such a pounding, is to try and relieve some of that pain through cannabis. So I, I think we will hear more and more stories, and we do from time to time from players who obviously don't want to talk about it at the time, but who later on will come out and say, yeah, I kind of did the same thing. This is one of those headlines that when you first see it, you start like smiling and like, hey, 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 hey. Then you read it and you're like, oh my <laughs> God, this is actually really heartbreaking and really sad yes. because how many players have we heard this from? 
it, they always equate it to being in a car wreck once a week. The amount yes. of physical pain that you go through on a weekly basis. And I've seen some of the hits. Like, I feel like I mm -hmm. like stub my toe and it like takes me out for at least 30 minutes. So I can't imagine some of the pain that these guys go through uh, during the course of a season. I do think there are other takeaways from this. Number one, mm -hmm. maybe the city of Detroit feels a little alleviated for this because I think we all had our questions about Calvin Johnson's retirement, like why he would retire when he is just still what looked to be in his prime. Like, I think we oh, knew yeah. he was dealing with some sort of pain, but still people, I heard people saying rumors that like, oh, well, that's what playing for Detroit will do for you. So maybe Detroit has a little bit of the monkey off their back because this kind of proves it. And also, how about Josh Gordon? Do you think he's at home seeing this headline and being like, <laughs> okay, so it's fine when Calvin Johnson does it, but for right. me, it's going to ruin the prime of my career. So it's just, you know, the league definitely is, mm -hmm. they have been policing it. So what's their stance now? I don't even know. They test for it, right? Uh, they, they test for it for sure. But I think there is a growing consensus that at some point, maybe the NFL will not, right? And it's still a slippery slope because it's legal in some areas and then not legal in others. And it's it's going to take some time. I think eventually we will get there. The takeaway for me is I, I find it interesting, but also one thing I've always been fascinated with is what these NFL players are willing to do for love of the sport. And I've read story after story after story. Joe Montana is a good example, right? And obviously one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time has four rings. You know, Joe Cool had everything going his way, has an amazing relationship with his wife. But if you read stories about the grueling physical pain that he has had to tolerate, even now sometimes, especially during his playing days, but even now because of all the hits he took, you'd be amazed because you look at these guys and we hold them up so high because they're warriors and they're going out every Sunday and you forget about the punishment they take play after play for years and it absolutely takes a toll. It doesn't matter who you are. The question is, are you going to have a few issues or is it going to be extreme? And you're going to have CTE, what, whatever it is, there's some gray area in the middle, but it doesn't surprise me at all that a player would say, I got to get through this and I have to do something to sort of mitigate the pain I'm feeling. I think it's more than just love of the game though. It's probably for your teammates. It's probably for your legacy. You know, if you're somebody like Calvin Johnson and also mm -hmm. at the very base, it's for your job. Like this is yeah. these guys like whole identity, you know, football for them. Imagine being that talented your whole life. Think of Calvin mm -hmm. Johnson growing up. Don't you think his whole identity probably revolved around football? So that's something oh, that you yeah. probably don't want to give up. So even from, you know, a macro perspective where you're saying, okay, this pain is really unbearable. Like, should I just give this up and retire? It's hard. I would imagine this yeah. is probably something that, you know, is mentally very tough for guys. They don't want to give up their whole identity because after football, it's the great unknown. Like not everybody can go into broadcasting. No, it's true. One of the stories that I read about players and what they go through later on in life was when Johnny Unitas the great Johnny Unitas, when he was later on in his career, after his football career, but later on in his life, and he would be on the golf course, but because his his throwing hand 
had taken so much punishment, been crushed so many times when he played football, in order to hold a golf club, he had to have a Velcro strap to wrap around his hand to tighten his hand around the grip of the golf club so he could swing it. And you're like, oh my God, this is the golden arm of Johnny Unitas. But because he took so much punishment along the way, this is what he's have to dealing or have to deal with now because of what he experienced during his playing days. But you're right, whether it's legacy, your teammates, love of the game, for so many players after, this is all they've known, but that's part of it. And the thing is, you ask them to a man, and they almost all say, I would do it again. I would still do it again. That's how much I love the game of football. Well, let's do this, Chelsea. Let's talk about the game of football and the game on the schedule this weekend. Of course, we will crown a world champion in Las Vegas between the 49ers and the Chiefs. 49ers are still laying two points. 49ers minus 130. The Chiefs plus 110. Total set at 47 and a hook. So the numbers are right there. Not moving a bit. And I thought it was interesting when we were talking to John Ewing yesterday, who does analytics and PR for BetMGM, and he was saying, well, you know, this will be placed. This number is not placed on any sort of liability because the books do have liability, at least in the futures market, on the 49ers. But on this game, the money continues to come in on the Chiefs. He said, listen, the number will move. We're not going to just keep it here just to sort of offset some sort of liability. That's not how it works, which that kind of surprised me. But I wonder if we get closer to the weekend. I, I have to believe we'll see some sort of movement when the public really comes in. One would think, because here's the other question. Okay, we've talked about picking a side, you know, the whole week, and I'm sure we will continue to do so. But if you are on the Chiefs, do you take the points or you just take them on the money line? Because I know everybody's been saying, oh, you just take the plus money. You just take the plus money. Do we think mm -hmm. this is a game that could be decided by two points? I'm not going to lie. It wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock me if I saw like 23-21 or 23-20, something like that. If we're talking about Chiefs being able to cover the spread. But it is, it is a dead number. So I understand the idea that, hey, just get yourself some plus money if you like the Chiefs. I think that's probably, I would imagine that will be the most popular bet. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs of plus money. Yeah, I would think so too. Maybe my mind is just in a different place since I've lost like a bunch of bets by the hook. So I'm like, all right, so I'm just going to take the points here. I am tired of <laughs> right. gambling with, you know, trying to get a little extra points in my favor. But... I do think if you are taking the points, like we've been referring to, this line could move. So if you think it's a close game, you like the Chiefs, go ahead and take that two now because it might be one closer to Sunday. No, it's true. Have you made a call? You're going with the Chiefs. I think I'm going to go with the Chiefs too against my, uh, I want to pick the Niners so bad. I want to pick the Niners so badly, Chelsea. You have no idea. But I think I'm just going to fall in line and pick the Chiefs like everyone else, and I'm going to give the same tired line. You're getting points with Badger Mahomes. Badger Mahomes is an underdog. You know, he's the best player in the world. Oh, like, but I get it. Here's the thing. It's right. Like, I'm not making fun because you're right. It's, it's, it's the right analysis if you're on the Chiefs. It's just that I feel like it's so simple, but sometimes handicapping is that simple if you're talking about the best quarterback on the planet, and you like Kansas City. Here's what I've been doing. I have been giving my take on the Chiefs winning or the Chiefs covering, whatever you want to say, but mm -hmm. with a Surgeon General's warning because we've been doing this for a while and sometimes mm -hmm. all of the numbers and trends and narratives point towards one team. In this case, it's the Chiefs. But 
here's the thing. The betting market is almost like the stock market where you see a stock that's kind of been, you mm-hmm. know, in the dumps. Eventually, it's going to go back up. Like, say, if it's a blue chip stock, you know, it has a few days and it's dipped. Doesn't that feel like the 49ers here? They've had a couple of yes. games where they haven't looked their best. I don't think the Niners have really played a good game in the postseason thus far. Wouldn't they be due yeah. for at least one good game? And the flip side goes for the Kansas City Chiefs. Feels like mm-hmm. they have had all games where they have been pretty solid. I will say there mm-hmm. were a couple of touchdowns called back. I believe that was the Ravens game. Yeah, that was the Ravens games where they had a, a couple of touchdowns called back. But also they had the good fortune of, who is it, Zay Flowers? Fumbling. Yeah. Who was that? Zay Flowers? Fumbling. Zay like, Flowers, or yeah. Doing the, yeah, the touchback uh, that really would have changed the course of that game, I believe. So if you look at both sides, one team who was underachieving, the other one who is overachieving, do you think these flip when it comes to the third game in this series? I feel like it could happen. Yeah, and that's this is the thing I keep coming back to. And you hit the nail on the head, which is how I've trying to been or how I've been thinking about this game, which is if you if you rewound time, if we went back in time, like I don't know, four or five weeks ago. What would you say? You would say the 49ers are the best team in football. The San Francisco 49ers are the best team in football. The Chiefs have an offense. Because we were saying this. Everyone was saying this. The Chiefs are really good. They're obviously always going to be good with Patrick Mahomes. But their receivers can't catch. And their offense isn't nearly as good as it used to be. That was not long ago. It, it was just a few weeks ago. But all of a sudden, through a couple playoff games, the Chiefs look great. And then the Niners look human. They look beatable for the first time. They've had to rally in each of their playoff games. They haven't looked like the dominant force we saw during the regular season. And all of a sudden, it's we're crowning the Chiefs and the Niners can't hang. But I think the truth is probably somewhere in the middle because I keep going back to the idea of how do you reconcile what we've seen over the past couple of weeks, but also take into account what we saw during the regular season. Because that all of that matters. You can you can make the argument, okay, the Chiefs are playing better right now, sure. But you know how it is. Things always change after a couple weeks, week to week in the NFL. So I can't just toss the Niners aside because they've had a couple weeks where they haven't looked like the Super Bowl favorites. And I can't just assume the Chiefs are going to start catching the football in the Super Bowl just because the receivers have stepped up over the past couple weeks. So I... It's somewhere in the middle. The question is, where will it land on Sunday? Well, and here's the other thing, and this is not a sexy answer, but when you have two teams that are very close to each other as far as, you know, how good they are, a lot of it is just execution. And, you know, this is something that's really hard to predict, but it could come down to, you know, one side completing a, a big third down or fourth down conversion. And it could be just, you know, the overall execution. Somebody makes a bad mistake, you know, in the end zone. So it feels like a game with, that it could be a coin flip. Like, would anybody be shocked if it came down to the final possession? And in that case, it feels like there's no quote-unquote right side. Because here's the thing about yeah. championship games. It's not always the best team that wins. Like, ask the, the Patriots that year that they were undefeated going into the Super mm-hmm. Bowl. It is a one-game sample size. Anything can happen. Absolutely. And I always think of when the Seahawks, and I know everyone thinks of this example, but when the Seahawks, all they had to do 
was hand it off to Marshawn Lynch against the that's all they had to do and they and Tom that's amazing too Tom Brady it changed his legacy one single play right he was sitting on the sideline on the bench like we're losing this game I'm losing the Super Bowl and then all of a sudden I, I just remember Brady's reaction he was just resigned to the fact we're losing and then the Seahawks call that pass play it gets intercepted at the one and Brady looks around like oh my god now I'm a Super Bowl champion it was one play that made the difference there coming up next year on the show we will go back to the prop market and how we think the quarterbacks and kickers will fare on super bowl sunday it is a daily tip from bql presented by betmgm that is when we come back BetQL and BetMGM are bringing the big game in Las Vegas to you. All week, you better you bet, and BetMGM Tonight will be broadcasting live at Mandalay Bay. Listen anywhere you go with the Odyssey app. Let's get back to the Daily Tip with Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Something that's gonna drop your double D. Oh, I knew it. Welcome back to the show on a Thursday, the Daily Tip for BQL, presented by BetMGM. I'm Michael Jenkins. She is Chelsea Messenger. Coming up on the show, our favorite props for Super Bowl 58. And this time, we're focusing on the quarterbacks and the kickers. Ooh, Chelsea. So I don't know what you're doing for Super Bowl Sunday. But I think maybe, maybe I lucked into a mini Super Bowl party that I can attend. So last night, I was shockingly having a drink around the corner. And I was talking to the bartender, Chris. And I was like, what are you doing with the Super Bowl? And he goes, well, there's another bar I work at here in D.C. And it's a billiards place. And I had not heard of it, but apparently... I love this about the city, too, is that D.C. is very food and drink centric, right? Like, oh, what's the hot new bar? What's the hot new foodie place to go to? But it's also a, a very old city. So there are places that don't really advertise. You don't really hear about. But there are institutions here in the city. This is one of those places. It's been around for 30 plus years. And he was saying, yeah, it's kind of an industry get together, but it's a big open space. And we have a huge chili cook off right before the game. And it's chili, not just from everywhere in the States. There's people who come from different countries. You might taste an African chili. You might taste a Southern chili. And so this happens right before the game where everyone gets a belly full of chili and then watches the Super Bowl while having a few drinks. I'm like, that sounds amazing. Is it open to the public? He was like, oh, yeah, sure, you can come by. I was like, "I a chili cook-off before the Super Bowl? Chelsea, I think he sold me on that. Uh, let me get your take on this because I feel like you are somebody who you have said this on the show before you don't like eating when you're drinking a chili cook-off combined with alcohol does not Uh, sound great like it feels like I'm gonna have to need some Pepto-Bismol after that that doesn't sound enticing to me like if I want to drink a beer which I do on Super Bowl Sunday chili cook-off beer yeah Well, what I'll do is I will I will focus on the chili first, right? I'm not going to drink first. I'll go in, and it's going to be nothing but – because I love chili. 
And I think it's fascinating how you can make it a billion different ways. So I will go and then, and I think Catherine, knowing her, she'll absolutely go. And so I'm going to try the different chilies, get my belly full. And then when I'm done there, I'll cleanse my palate with some water or something and say, okay, now I can have some beer. I don't want to combine the two because I don't really like doing that anyway, but that's the plan going in. And I can tell by your face, you're like, no, not a chili girl. I love chili. But that's not how your stomach works. You can't just have like a sip of water and be like, there we go. It's going to be fine all in there, right? I mean, maybe you have a, a stronger stomach than I do, but that doesn't sound nice to me. But here's why I have an aversion to chili. And maybe I've told okay. you this story before, but the only time I've had chili, like we didn't grow up having chili. I don't know if it's a Southern food or what, but we never had it. Yeah. So as an adult, we went on this camping trip with some of Jake's friends from North Carolina. So they make okay. chili. You know, it smells good. It's snowing outside. And then I try it. I'm like, this tastes kind of funny. And they're like, yeah, it's a little different. It's deer meat. And I was like, huh? oh. so from then on, I have not been one for chili. I, well, I am some, I love chili, but I'm not a big, not a big deer person as far as uh. eating deer meat. Although I also one time, I think it's because I haven't had, I would be willing to try it again. I think it's, you know, it's when you have one experience with something and it leaves no pun intended, like a bad taste in your mouth. Like this wasn't the best experience for me. And so then it affects the way you look at that food forever. So I had that mm -hmm. happen with, with deer when I was in high school. I mean, it's a long story, which I will spare you this detail of my friends going deer hunting and then giving me the gun and then we're deer hunting. And then they're like gutting the deer in front of me and then putting it away. And then we ate it. I mean, this was, I was like a wide eyed, like I was, cause some of my friends were a country and I am obviously not that country, even though I'm from the country. And so for me, I'm, I'm like looking around like, wow, this is, this is something. So I think I would be willing to do it, but I got to get a new experience instead of just basing all of my viewpoints on this one time where one thing happened. But sometimes that can affect you in that way. But sometimes you just have the ick about something. You can have the mm -hmm. ick about a food. You can have the ick about a person. Have you ever had the ick about a person where everything they do, oh, yeah. like you send it to your significant other and you're like, look at what they just posted. <laughs> and it could be like the most like, you know, dumb or like very small thing. You're like, oh, this person's mm -hmm. so stupid. And you just post oh, everything. Yeah. Have you ever done that? Just gotten the ick about a person? Yes. I will not mention a name. There's one person in particular so that the lovely Catherine and I, oh my, I'm not, but she will be like, I want you to look at something. And I'm like, okay. And so this was, was this two days ago? She plays a video for me. And by this was a 30, 35 second video on Instagram. And my jaw dropped. And Catherine is giggling. She's like, there's a lot to unpack there. I was like, yes. Yes, there is. I don't even know where to even start with that one. And so, can I yeah, guess? And, is this uh, the girl that made the the montage of herself crying? Uh, it's not. It's not. That's a very good guess, though. It's a really good guess. But when I saw this, I thought, I cannot believe how many intimate details, and I mean intimate details, that you are revealing in thirty seconds. And it gave me the ick. Like, why in the world? Would you ever do this? So you see it from time to time. You do see. And I, oh, I'll tell you off air. 
if I can, but no, my God, I got the ick immediately. Chelsea, we got to talk about some props here. But before we do that, I got to remind everyone that MGM is giving their online sportsbook customers the opportunity to win a grand prize of $58,000. That's right, baby. It is the big game prop bet challenge. All you have to do is predict the most big game prop bet questions correctly out of the eligible users. It's really easy to do. You find the promotions tab on the BetMGM app or BetMGM.com. Then enter your chance to win $58,000 only from BetMGM. So if we are looking at the King of Sportsbooks, what is a quarterback prop or a kicking prop that appeals to you, Chelsea? Okay, so we have already talked about the rushing prop for Brock Purdy. I think both of us are pretty much on board with that one. But let's look at the passing one. And here's why I normally don't bet passing yardage props unless I feel like they're going to go way over. Because a lot of it depends on if they get a drive to end the half or the game. That's when they really rack up the yards or if they have some big explosive plays. Because these numbers, here's the thing about passing yards. I don't know if you've ever done this with the same game parlay where you say, oh, well, you know, Patrick Mahomes, he's got to get like at least 225, right? No, there is a wild amount of variation between, you know, game to game for some of these quarterbacks and their passing yards. I would Mm -hmm. say maybe I'd lean towards the under and the passing yards for Patrick Mahomes just because the identity of the Chiefs this year has not been a team that's airing it out. It's been a team that is pretty committed to the run. A lot of that has to do with the effectiveness of Isaiah Pacheco really coming on strong. I know the Niners have a really good run defense. Hasn't been the case in the past couple of games. But some of this is tied to game script. And if you're not super sold on which team's going to win, it's really hard to predict. But Patrick Mahomes said at 261.5, Brock Purdy at 248.5. I would lean towards the under with Patrick Mahomes. He's gone under this in uh, each of the last two postseason games. But granted, you know, those have been lower scoring affairs. So if the Niners jump out to an early lead, that is the sabotage factor. This is a tough one. Do you have any read on some of these passing yards? You know, I I don't. I'm staying away from passing yards. You know what I'm going to do, actually, is yesterday when I was on Brock Purdy's over his rushing prop, I think I'm going – I mean, I know it's a rushing prop, and so maybe we should be talking about passing props here. But I'm going to go under on Patrick Mahomes' rush prop instead of going – over just like I did with Brock Purdy. So again, I know this is rushing and not passing, but I don't I don't really feel I don't feel great about how this game is going to go. I I think there is a possibility because these two defenses are so very good that we could see maybe a lower scoring game than we anticipate. So for that reason, I am out and not going to bet on a passing prop. But I will say for me and you mentioned this yesterday and it, it stood out to me, Patrick Mahomes potentially at the end of this game, if you like his rushing yardage prop, and it's pretty high, it's 26 and a hook. So if he kneels at the end of this game, all of a sudden you lose his rushing yards. But I think more than that, the Ravens were a good example because the Ravens have very good linebackers and so do the 49ers, right? Like Warner and Greenlaw, Mm -hmm. like those guys are no joke. So they were able, or they should be able, I think, to at least contain Patrick Mahomes a little bit in the run game like the Ravens did. And also... The Niners have only allowed five quarterbacks this season to eclipse this number. So 
I, I I don't feel comfortable with the passing prop, but I do like going back to a quarterback prop on the ground, and that's Patrick Mahomes under his rushing total. Ooh, bold move. That's the thing, though, because yeah. Patrick Mahomes, if he wants to take off, he certainly can. And that's yes. why quarterback rushing props can be so daunting. Like, what was it, two weeks ago with Lamar Jackson? There were so many instances in that game where you're like, what are you doing? Take off. Start running. Yes. And yet he was just looking down the field for all these Hail Mary passes. So they can be incredibly frustrating to bet on. Um, I don't really want to bet the unders in the Super Bowl. That sounds really miserable. But if that's the play that you like, <laughs> that's the play that you like. Do we have time to dive into the kickers? Because I do think the kickers will be an X factor in this game. We've talked about this throughout the week. Harrison Bucker, the entrenched veteran for the Kansas City Chiefs, he's kicked a game-winning field goal in the Super Bowl. Uh, going against Jake Moody, who has already missed some field goals so far this postseason, and he is a rookie. But this is also built into the numbers. Some of these numbers feel unplayable for me because uh, it's just – been tough to handicap some of these numbers because I do think both kickers are going to make a field goal. Maybe there's a way you can do some kind of same game parlay where it is, you know, bumped down a little bit, but both of these kickers, one and a half field goals. Do you think each kicker or one of these kickers gets two field goals? I like the Butker prop because he's more reliable and I can see Kansas City maybe getting bogged down in the red zone a touch, but I would go over one and a half for Harrison Butker. I like that play a lot. Coming up, the biggest star during NBA All-Star Weekend might just be the hardwood itself. That is next on the Daily Tip from BetQL, presented by BetMGM. For more, listen to the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9 Eastern on the BetQL Network, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts.